Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan, and today I'm here with Chelsea and Jenny. Uh, and <laughs> what a day for Jenny to join up. This is uh, <laughs> We're going to be looking at Amos, uh, the book of Amos. Uh, kind of what we're going to begin to be doing. We've done a little bit with Jonah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had prophets show up, but I think you should anticipate prophets are going to be showing up on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we go through these books and as the prophets kind of get put into different pieces of kings, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about what you can expect from a prophet. I feel like that's a that's a word that remains, like we still talk about prophets. Um, and a lot of times I think we just have like subtle misunderstandings about what a prophet does. So I would say that the two primary roles of a prophet, Chelsea, you can uh, jump in here and correct me or add to this. You know more about this than I do. I definitely don't. Go for it. Um, the two primary roles of a prophet tend to be foretelling and forthtelling. So if that sounds confusing on the audio, <laughs> F-O-R-E and F-O-R-T-H. Yes? Maybe. Yes. All right. Like were, this is now a spelling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Led by me, which is a hilarious joke if you know me. Um, basically, prophets do not just speak about the future. Prophets a lot of times actually just help people understand what God has already said and what has already been written. So we do live in an age of what I would say is a lot of false prophets, actually, to be honest, where there are people with notoriety that proclaim things that are not true. Um, and the, the thing that I always think is like, if you're somebody that's like signing up to be a prophet, like if you think you should go on Instagram and let everyone know you have a prophecy, you should probably be ready to get stoned when you're wrong. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, the role of a prophet is really, really serious. Yeah. And oftentimes prophets are asked to live in such a unique way that even how they conduct themselves is very unique and stands out in an extreme way. Mm-hmm. And what prophets had been asked to do, what prophets continue to be asked to do is teach the word, like handle the word well, help us understand what God has already said. How do we do that? We have 66 books that teach us what God has already said. You don't actually need to make any of it up. It's already here. Mm -hmm. And what? how can we anticipate these things in the future? So we see Amos doing that. We see Amos helping Israel and Judah. Um, He's from Judah. He's primarily speaking in Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see him helping people understand what God has already said. He's already said that you need to be me. You need to be with me. You need to be mine and mine alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a unique, and this is important actually in the book of Amos. Uh, it's good for us to remember the nation of Israel, and I'm, I'm talking all Israel, Israel and Judah. These nations, they had been set apart by God so that they would live in such a unique way that people would see them and know who God is. They're a, they're a nation of priests essentially, and so the fact that they've given up on that is a big deal. And so what we're seeing is Amos reminding them of their mission, but also telling them like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he does, you you alluded to this earlier, he, he starts out the book with this huge list of enemy nations. Yeah, I think there's like seven seven nations and he's like saying, and this is going to happen to you people and this is going to happen to you people and all of it's bad. And Israelites hearing that at that time are probably like, yes, our enemy is going to be destroyed. Then he gets to Judah and Judah and, and Israel are enemies at this point. And they're probably like, yes, God favors us over Judah. And then he has a very long judgment on Israel, longer than any other nation. And God is not happy with the Israelites. Yeah. Yeah. And this is intense. Guys, I do want you to, I want you to spend some time on this, actually. I don't know why I'm so worked up about it today, but it's very important that we understand <laughs> these books. Again, 
because these are the books that that Jesus knew. These are the books that the first Christians knew, and they knew this stuff deeply, um, and it informed their faith. And so that 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 remains for us. We need to understand this literature deeply and help it to inform our faith. Mm-hmm. And what it does teach us is that you're not going to get away with holding your faith loosely for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the grand narrative of the things, they've been getting away with it for a couple hundred years. Um, and God actually, interestingly enough, God actually continues to say, even in this book of Amos, you need to turn back to me. You need to turn back to me. Mm-hmm. If you do not turn back to me, this is going to happen. And the, the stuff that he proclaims is horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to add about prophets is that what they're saying lines up with the character of God yes. and lines up with God's word. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and I think also the importance of knowing and learning about these books is because these are also primarily the books where people are like, God's a guy of judgment. Like we talk about that a lot on this podcast and they'll see, they'll see books like this and be like, wow, God's the worst. Um, Yes, God God has judgment, but we have to like know these books well to understand who God is. Um, and I think one of those things, actually, um, in chapter four, there's a verse that says, away with your noisy hymns of praise, I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. So that is a verse that has been tossed around a lot in the past few years. Um, and... It actually made me dig a little bit more into it because I just want to make sure whenever I see a verse that's just like plastered on Instagram, I'm going to be like, I want to know what the context is and if it's being used correctly. I think it is. This book is about social justice. God is unhappy with the way the Israelites are treating the poor, the oppressed um, slaves. And he is saying, you're righteous. What you're saying is righteous acts, your um, offerings. What I really want is just obedience. And he's given a very clear outline for what social justice, if that's what we're going to call it, looks like um, for the Israelites and Judah. But um, yeah. I think it's interesting when you, as we read Amos, I want you to actually think about Jonah that we read yesterday, and I want you to think about Amos that we read today. So God's sending prophets to confront people in both books. Mm -hmm. And in the book of Jonah, we get an evil people that humbles themselves and calls on the name of the Lord and is allowed to repent. And then Amos we get God's chosen people who hear the message and basically we'll see this play out. They basically harden themselves and decide to remain this way. And so as we talk about a God of compassion, don't forget as we read these prophets and these events and Kings that God, the God of compassion allowed Nineveh to repent. Mm -hmm. And there was no judgment on Nineveh at that time because they had hearts that humbled themselves and they leaned closer to God Mm -hmm. and God forgave them. That opportunity remains. What we're going to see, though, is that when you make a choice not to do that, there is judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And to keep in mind that these things happened either at the same time or very, very close to each other, because um, Amos is prophesying at the same time that Jonah is. Exactly. Um, so Nineveh could have been repenting while Israel is very hard-hearted towards God. Exactly. Which is super interesting, again, that God has a heart for the nations. He does. He does. And and it's a heart of grace and compassion. When mm-hmm. Jesus shows up, he's showing us God's actual heart in human form. Right. You don't get to say that like, well, yeah, but now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, we have Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we, we've always had Jesus. God has always been gracious and compassionate. And if you want to look at it this way, it's actually a show of compassion for God to even send a prophet. <laughs> I mean, it sounds awful, all these things, but like, 
he doesn't have to. He could have just destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Or sent the Assyrians to lead them away into exile without saying anything. But he's given them chance after chance after chance and prophet after prophet to like help them realize who God is and that they should be turning back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and one more thing I want to talk about prophets is that there's probably a lot of, there are probably a lot of false prophets in this time too. And I think a lot of, from what I know about the false prophets that were happening during this time in Israel's history is that they were saying, they were kind of like saying things that tickled the ears of the Israelites. Like they were saying the things that they wanted to hear. Um, so it's a very different from the, the, the prophets that we have here in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, what is sticking out <laughs> to you as we go over this stuff? I just keep thinking of the word complacency the whole time because there's these people who have knowledge of God and what he expects and are given chance after chance, like Chelsea said, and are just like, whatever, it's all cool. Mm -hmm. I've got what I need. I have what Mm -hmm. I want. I don't really care. Meanwhile, like you were saying, these people who are experiencing God for the first time who are living in complete darkness are just like, Complete, their eyes are completely open and they like want to make the change. Whereas there's these people who are experiencing it since birth and just yeah. don't really care. Yeah. And so. we talked about earlier just how they're living in luxury. And I think Ryan, you yeah. brought that up is just, um, they're very wealthy and they're okay with it. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, when we talked about David and we talked about Solomon, God used wealth as a way to be a witness to the nations. Mm-hmm. So when you read about the kingdoms, particularly of Solomon, um, we hear of these national leaders that are pouring into Jerusalem mm-hmm. because the wealth of Jerusalem is a sign of their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So what happens and, and what we're seeing happen is that wealth remains, but it's no longer a mark of faithfulness. Right. And mm-hmm. so you'll, you'll, there's a lot of thoughts out there about uh, money and wealth. And Jesus has a lot to say about money and wealth. Um, it's important to note, I think that wealth is not an evil thing. Right. Uh, however, it's pretty easy to fall into evil things if you have wealth. And that's what we're actually seeing play out is that the the wealth of Israel, the wealth of Judah was a mark of their faithfulness and their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And now what they've done is allowed their hearts to be turned away from God. And it's actually become a, a, a noose around their necks, actually, mm-hmm. where they are looking for ways to establish more wealth uh, on the backs of people who have none. Yep. They're looking to use their wealth to influence justice in a way that's unjust. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are using this thing that can be a mark of the blessings of God in a way that actually works against God. Um, and this is not some dusty old book. I mean, we we have the opportunity. If you're listening to this podcast, most likely it's on a device. Most likely it's across some type of internet, across some kind of cell phone, whatever. Mm-hmm. You have wealth. We've yeah. been blessed with wealth. And it is an immense challenge. And I, I'm serious. I, I really want you to search your heart and think about this. How is that wealth that's been made available? How is that being used by you uh, to be a mark of the faithfulness of God? Yeah. And we are in a time. I mean, I mean uh, we're in a time where justice is a, is a question. Mm-hmm. And we're in a time, I think, where we're not asking ourselves hard enough questions about justice. And so as Christians, as people who have the mark of God in our lives and in our families, how can we pursue justice in a way that is meaningful and that is authentic so that we ourselves don't become these folks, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't want to be Israel and Judah at right, this time. Right. Um, so how can we pursue authentic justice? I'm not saying, I'm not saying we need to do everything we're told. I'm not saying we need to fall into every narrative that gets explained to us. I'm saying, how can we search our hearts, become more like Christ, and use what's been given to us to build his kingdom and encourage his people? Right. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, guys, thanks so much for listening today to God's Whole Story. I hope that you guys are getting something out of it. I think it's going to be really interesting to walk through these minor prophets. I think that there's, it's kind of these books that are kind of confusing, honestly, to read through it. And you're like, what does this actually mean? So I'm excited to dig into these. It's going to be good. Uh, all right. See you tomorrow. Bye. Amos, starting in chapter one. This message was given to Amos, a shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. He received this message in visions two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, was king of Israel. This is what he saw and heard. The Lord's voice will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The lush pastures of the shepherds will dry up. The grass on Mount Carmel will wither and die. This is what the Lord says. The people of Damascus have sinned again and again, and I will not let it go unpunished. They beat down my people in Gilead as grain threshed with iron sledges. So I will send down fire on King Haziel's palace, and the fortress of King Ben-Hadad will be destroyed. I will break down the gates of Damascus and slaughter the people in the valley of Avon. I will destroy the ruler in Beth-Eden, and the people of Aram will go on as captives to Ker, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Gaza have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They set whole villages into exile, selling them as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire on the walls of Gaza, and all its fortresses will be destroyed. I will slaughter the people of Ashdod and will destroy the king of Ashkelon. Then I will turn to attack Ekron, and the few Philistines still left will be killed, says the Sovereign Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Tyre have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They broke their treaty of brotherhood with Israel, selling whole villages as slaves to Edom. So I will send down fire on the walls of Tyre, and all the fortresses will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. The people of Edom have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They chased down their relatives, the Israelites, with swords, showing them no mercy. In their rage, they slashed them continually and were unrelenting in their anger. So I will send down fire on Timon, and the fortresses of Balzra will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says. The people of Ammon have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. When they attacked Gilead to extend their borders, they ripped open pregnant women with their swords. So I will send down fire on the walls of Rabbah, and all the fortresses will be destroyed. The battle will come upon them with shouts like a whirlwind in a mighty storm, and their king and his princes will go into exile together, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Moab have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They desecrated the bones of Edom's king, burning them to ashes. So I will send down fire on the land of Moab, and all the fortresses in Kerioth will be destroyed. The people will fall into the noise of battle as the warriors shout and the ram's horns sound, and I will destroy their king and slaughter all their princes, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The people of Judah have sinned again and again and I will not let it go unpunished. They have rejected the instruction of the Lord, refusing to obey His decrees. They have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So I will send down fire on Judah, and all the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. This is what the Lord says, The people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver, and poor people for a pair of sandals. They trample helpless people in the dust and shove the oppressed out of the way. Both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name. 
As they're at their religious festivals, they lounge in clothing their debtors put up for security. In the house of their gods, they drink wine bought with unjust fines. But as my people watched, I destroyed the Amorites. Though they were as tall as cedars and as strong as oaks, I destroyed the fruit on their branches and dug out their roots. I, it was I who rescued you from Egypt and led you through the desert for 40 years so you could possess the land of the Amorites. I chose of your sons to be prophets and of others to be Nazarites. Can you deny this, my people of Israel? asked the Lord. But you caused the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine, and you commanded the prophets, shut up. So I will make you groan like a wagon loaded down with sheaves of grain. Your fastest runners will not get away. The strongest among you will become weak. Even mighty warriors will be unable to save themselves. The archers will not stand their ground. The swiftest runners won't be able to run fast enough to escape. Even those riding horses won't be able to save themselves. On the day, the most courageous of your fighting men will drop their weapons and run for their lives, said the Lord. Listen to the message that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the entire family I rescued from Egypt. From among all the families on the earth, I have been intimate with you alone. This is what this That is why I must punish you for all your sins. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Does a lion ever roar in a thicket without first finding a victim? Does a young lion growl in its den without first catching its prey? Does a bird ever get caught in a trap that has no bait? Does a trap spring shut where there's nothing to catch? When the ram's horn blows a warning, shouldn't the people be alarmed? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has planned it? Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, so who isn't frightened? The sovereign Lord has spoken, so who can refuse to claim his, proclaim his message? Announce this to the leaders of Philistia and to the great ones of Egypt. Take your seats now on the hills around Samaria and witness the chaos and oppression in Israel. My people have forgotten how to do right, says the Lord. Their fortresses are filled with wealth taken by theft and violence. Therefore, says the Sovereign Lord, an enemy is coming. He will surround them and shatter their defenses. Then he will plunder all their fortresses. This is what the Lord says. A shepherd who tries to rescue a sheep from a lion's mouth will recover only two legs or a piece of an ear. So it will be for the Israelites in Samaria lying on luxurious beds and for the people of Damascus reclining on couches. Now listen to this and announce it throughout all Israel, says the Lord, the Lord God of heaven's armies. On the very day I punish Israel for its sins, I will destroy the pagan altars at Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground, and I will destroy the beautiful homes of the wealthy, their winter mansions and their summer houses too, all their palaces filled with ivory, says the Lord. Listen to me, you fat cows living in Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and who are always calling to your husbands, bring us another drink. The sovereign Lord has sworn this by his holiness. The day will come when you will be led away with hooks in your noses. Every last one of you will be dragged away like a fish on a hook. You will be led through the ruins of the wall. You will be thrown from your fortresses, says the Lord. Go ahead and offer sacrifices to the idols at Bethel. Keep on disobeying at Gilgal. Offer sacrifices each morning and bring your tithes every three days. Present your bread made with yeast as an offering for thanksgiving. Then give your extra voluntary offerings so you can brag about it everywhere. This is the kind of thing you Israelites love to do, says the, says the sovereign Lord. I brought hunger to every city and famine to every town. 
but still you would not return to me, says the Lord. I kept the rain from falling when your crops needed it the most. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. Rain fell on one field while another field withered away. People staggered from town to town looking for water, but there was never enough. But still, you would not return to me, says the Lord. I struck your farms and vineyards with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured all your fig and olive trees, but still you would not return to me, says the Lord. I sent plagues on you, like plagues I sent on Egypt long ago. I killed your young men in war and led your horses away. The stench of death filled the air, but still you would not return to me, says the Lord. I destroyed some of your cities as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Those of you who survived were like charred sticks pulled from a fire, but still you would not return to me, says the Lord. Therefore, I will bring upon you all the disasters I have announced. Prepare to meet your God in judgment, you people of Israel. For the Lord is the one who shaped the mountains, stirs up the winds, and reveals his thoughts to mankind. He turns the light of dawn into darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God of heaven's armies is his name. Listen, you people of Israel, listen to this funeral song I am singing. The virgin Israel has fallen, never to rise again. She lies abandoned on the ground with no one to help her up. The Sovereign Lord says, When a city sends a thousand men to battle, only a hundred will return. When a town sends a hundred, only ten will come back alive. Now this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan altars at Bethel. Don't go to the shrines of Gilgal or Beersheba. For the people of Gilgal will be dragged off into exile, and the people of Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Come back to the Lord and live. Otherwise, he will roar through Israel like a fire, devouring you completely. Your gods in Bethel won't be able to quench the flames. You twist justice, making it a bitter pill for the oppressed. You treat the righteous like dirt. It is the Lord who created the stars, the Pleiades and Orion. He turned darkness into morning and day into night. He draws up water from the oceans and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. With blinding speed and power, he destroys the strong, crushing all their defenses. How you hate honest judges. How you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, though you build beautiful stone houses, you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine from them. For I know the vast number of your sins and the depth of your rebellions. You oppress good people by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. So those who are smart keep their mouths shut, for it is an evil time. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. Then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper, just as you have claimed. Hate evil and love what is good. Turn your courts into true halls of justice. Perhaps even yet the Lord God of heaven's armies will have mercy on the remnant of his people. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God of heaven's armies says. There will be crying in all the public squares and mourning in every street. Call for the farmers to weep with you and summon professional mourners to wail. There will be wailing in every vineyard for I will destroy them all, says the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here, you have no idea what you're wishing for. That day will bring darkness, not light. And that day you will be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against the wall in the house, and he is bitten by a snake. Yes, the day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless, without a ray of joy or hope. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Was it to me you were bringing these sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? 
No, you served your pagan god, Seketh, and your king god, Kiwan, your star god, the images you made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile to a land east of Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of heaven's armies. What sorrow awaits you who lounge in luxury in Jerusalem, and you who feel secure in Samaria? You are famous and popular in Israel, and people go to you for help. But go over to Kelna and see what happened there. Go to the great city of Hamath and go down to the Philistine city of Gath. You are no better than they were, and look how they were destroyed. You push away every thought of coming disaster, but your actions only bring the day of judgment closer. How terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches, eating the meat of tender lambs from the flock and the choice calves fattened in the stall. You sing trivial songs to the sound of the harp and fancy yourselves to be great musicians like David. You drink wine by the bowlful and perfume yourselves with fragrant lotions. You care nothing about the ruin of your nation. Therefore, you will be the first to be led away as captives. Suddenly, all your parties will end. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his name, and this is what he, the Lord God of heaven's armies, says. I despise the arrogance of Israel, and I hate their fortresses. I will give this city and everything in it to their enemies. If there are ten men left in one house, they will all die. And when a relative who is responsible to dispose of the dead goes into the house to carry out the bodies, he will ask the last survivor, is anyone else with you? And when the person begins to swear no by, he will interrupt and say, stop, don't even mention the name of the Lord. When the Lord gives the command, homes both great and small will be smashed to pieces. Can horses gallop over boulders? Can oxen be used to plow them? But that's how foolish you are when you turn justice into poison and the sweet fruit of righteousness into bitterness. And you brag about your conquest of Lodabar. You boast, didn't we take Carneum by our own strength? O people of Israel, I'm about to bring an enemy nation against you, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. They will oppress you throughout your land from Lebahamath in the north to the Arabah Valley in the south. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.